Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 Wednesday edition. Coming Made up. to hour two. Chad, a... Uh, hour two of three, Hutton. I know. We got two more to go. We said we'd never make it. On then we're going to be 16th. over the hump. That's right. Hump um, day. Does that ever get old? Yeah, like on Office Space, they talk about the case of the Mondays. I feel like Hump I Day I mean, I've also never viewed, may get old. I mean. Hutton loves his job so much, it's never a problem. It's like the Hump Day doesn't exist to him. I mean, I, I we love We show up every day and love it so much that we don't believe in Hump Day. I've, my job is a hobby. I mean, let's be honest here. It's um, all pleasure to us. Um, all of it. For 16 years, though, I mean, in football season, I've worked every day. So Wednesday is just Wednesday to me. Let me frame it this way. You know what I mean? We want to get you over the hump on yeah. your hump day. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. We others. don't believe in hump days. We don't believe in a case of the Mondays. Because you know what Monday is during football season? A huge day of reaction Glorious. to the football weekend that we love because it's chock full of content. <laughs> and at OutKick, you know what we love more than anything else? Content. We want good content. We have a weekend's worth of it to dissect right. here on OutKick 360 on Mondays. And we love our job so much. We show up every day. We love it. We put a smile on our face. So much that we don't believe in hump days. Hutton certainly does not. I don't either. And for that reason, we are banishing hump days from Outkick 360. I decree that from here forward, but, no hump days. But we understand that you may not like your job. Right. And that's fine. We all got to make a living. We all got to get through this world working somehow. Yeah. But if you're not liking your job right now, you're not liking your boss, something else going on, we promise that in one hour and 59 minutes – we will have delivered you through your hump day. We will be over the hump in one hour and 59 minutes. Our entire staff behind the scenes thrilled with that announcement. Yeah. That they will be... Uh, we love home. our job. They hate their job <laughs> because they have to show up with us. So I'm not just talking to the listener or viewer right now. I'm talking to everyone else in the studio yes. that hates showing up and working with us. You are now one hour and 58 minutes away from us getting you over the hump. Great to have uh, Davey Hudson back with us today in the mix, by yep. the way. Shout out there. Uh, Deshaun Watson is practicing. He's He's been around the facility. Keep in mind, it was after week six, I believe, whenever he was allowed to return to the practice facility and be involved in meetings. He couldn't practice or anything like that. Now he's allowed to practice, and they're you know ramping up to play him against the Houston Texans in week 13. Um, here are the Cleveland Browns. Look, they they are three and six. They've got a you know a, a, a tough road to get to Houston with Watson. And I've 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 thought for a while like they've got to be around five hundred to have a shot at the seventh seed. But if for some reason Watson shows up on game day and just goes on this tear, because I mean. Poor quarterback play would kind of be par for the course this season. Now, we're kind of expecting that. Good quarterback play could send them on a, a nice winning streak in a division where 
down the stretch, technically with him, many people would pick them to win the division, right? At least that's, if he starts the regular season, I think many people would have said the Browns have as good of a shot as any to win that division. I would say that. Um, and so, no team has been spectacular in that division. Right. Baltimore's the best, but we didn't know, not yeah. great. Um, you know, I think most would pick the Bengals again. But again, like, um, he, he is a, he's a difference maker for them on the field, or should be, from what we've seen. Um, whenever he opted out or bowed out, refused to play prior to all of the allegations and then what became the settlements, he, I would consider him a top five quarterback in the league after the 2020 season. And now he's about to play for the Cleveland Browns. Chad, they're three and six. Again, I think it's a long shot here. Um, but they've already said, like, no matter what Brissett does between here and week 13, Watson's the guy. What would have to happen? I think that they would have to split the next two without him. So when at Buffalo, so be at four there's going to be a lot of snow. Yeah. I've been following yep. that forecast this weekend. I don't, know, storm. I don't know how much it's going to be snowing on Sunday and how much they can clear, but I mean, there's upwards of three feet of snow expected over the weekend, but I think it ends Saturday night as of right now. It's, they're going to get hammered with snow Friday and Saturday uh, in Orchard Park, so that's something to watch. Maybe they can win an ugly game against the Bills. I doubt it. Uh, they get Tampa at home in Cleveland. That's a winnable game. For the Browns, I really think you you got to split. You can't go to three and eight. I think at three and eight, you've lost your chance at doing anything when Deshaun Watson gets back. But just mathematically, if they are four and seven after the next two, then they go to Houston. That should be a win, not guaranteed. Should be a win for Cleveland. Then you get to five and seven. Let's say, then you are within reach of possibly getting to around five hundred. If you're five and seven, because they finished the season in Cincinnati, Baltimore at home, Saints at home, at Washington, at Pittsburgh. So I could see them winning three, four games in that in that group. Not gonna be easy. Right. But it gives them a chance, I think, mathematically. But Hutton, if you're asking me what what real shot do I give them in the playoffs right now, very, very slim. So they're they're very slim. They're a game they're a half game behind or full game maybe a game and a half because of the tie behind Indy. As I do the math, because the Colts are four, five, and one, and Cleveland is three and six. Um, but you've got the Bengals at five and four coming off a bye. The Bengals this week have the Steelers. Then they're on the road. They're on the road in Pittsburgh. On the road here in Nashville in eleven days, and then they're hosting the Kansas City Chiefs on the same day that Watson makes his debut in Houston for the Browns. Uh, and the Bengals finished the, the, the following week um, after Bengals and Chiefs and Browns and Texans, the Bengals will host the Browns. And so I set that up to say, I think Baltimore's running away with this. I don't, uh, barring injury. And again, that's the caveat to everything we say. But if the Bengals without Chase and who knows what's going on there, uh, and it can mix and be the, Joe Mixon we saw before the bye, or is it more of the same from what we've seen throughout the season where it's just been very inconsistent, and that's putting it, you know, mild, mildly. I, I'm saying Cleveland could be the seventh seed because the Chargers, to me, have a last-stand-type feel this week against the Chiefs on Sunday night football. And you start looking around, 
I don't think the Colts are making some playoff run to the seven seed. No. So they're at 10, right, right ahead of the Browns, who currently would be the 11 seed. Again, seven gets you in. But Chad, ahead of the Browns, the Colts, the Bengals, the Chargers, and then the last team in right now, the Patriots. And the Patriots are five and four. Again, right around 500. So you say, can they get to back, back to 500? Can they get to 500 in game number two against... Uh, when Watson comes back, the second game, second week of December on the road in Cincinnati. I think that's the key. Can they start 2-0 and with Watson? Can they split the next two? And if they do, then we're talking about, wow, they could make a push for that last spot. It's a long shot, though, because I, I think there will be... I don't think they come in and just go on a, a winning streak with him. I think it, and it starts with pre-Watson playing. I think we yeah. both agree yeah. splitting the next two imperative for even the outlook of what you're looking for from Deshaun Watson you know when what? he starts playing. You know what's going to keep them out? That Jets loss. Up by double digits with two minutes to go, Joe and the Jets Flacco. came back and, and won that game. The Joe Flacco game. Um, that's what's ultimately going to keep them out, I think, is that AFC loss early in the season with Brissett there. Russell in the, on the YouTube chat chimes in and says, you think we'll see any dirty late hits on Watson like A-Rod getting beaned everywhere he went after steroid suspension? No. Because players don't really care. He didn't cheat the game Yeah, with what he did. There's a big I mean, difference there. And I'm not trying to be crass about the two different things. Players didn't like A-Rod because if they were clean, they felt like he was robbing them of opportunity or doing things against them because he was breaking the rules by taking performance-enhancing drugs. I'm not, I'm not trying to rate the different things that players have done. But players aren't going to care about this to hit him late. I don't think players are going to care more than how they've cared with other players who've come back from suspension. Right. Right? That, I, to me. Like, if you're believing in that, then I think you would also say, well, the players aren't going to play as hard on his team for him. I don't, I don't buy that either. I think they're... They're trying to rally around the, the, the... By the way, the players love Deshaun Watson uh, because of his salary, fully guaranteed. And they're all rooting for Lamar Jackson to continue to push the fully guaranteed deal because that will change, especially quarterback. That's going to change how quarterbacks go into an offseason and a, a salary cap structure and demand top dollar. If Lamar Jackson can get upwards of what Deshaun Watson's getting or not, that's they're thinking about the money. He's now the bar that Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson's really going to set the bar for them. That's what the players are paying attention to. Yeah, how they negotiate. And this. players, you make a good point about they don't care any more than other players who have been suspended for off-field things. They care, but they're yeah, they're not going to take it out they on. They care that yeah, they're human, but I'm saying that it's not enough to you know risk suspension yourself or getting thrown out of a game, and or being, costing yourself money right. because you're mad at the player that you're going to take late hits. I'm trying to think of the scenario where they would want to take late hits. It would be a bounty gate situation where a player was suspended for taking illegal hits on someone, and then the retaliation is if they play again, they're going to take some illegal hits also, but there's more I don't personal, know that's really I, happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the question because I do think, I do think players hate the fact that he's allowed to play. I do think there are players that buy that and, you know, um, fair. But it's more personal beef 
that comes with the late hits, right? The uh, Marshawn Lattimore um, getting the, you've got the the chain being ripped off or whatever, right? Like you've got different one-on-one beef. But I with, even look at it and what players with him really, and Mike Evans. But what players care that he's allowed to play if they're if they're allowed to play if they're playing? Well, I mean, I don't I don't know any. I mean. Well, How, what percentage of players are sitting there thinking, man, I really think he should have been suspended for the whole season, and now I'm mad that he came back? Oh, I think there are players, I mean, there, I think there are players who didn't want him to be allowed to play, period, based on everything that went down. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that they care that he's playing in week 13 as much, but they would have said privately, like, yeah, I mean, Will Compton's been on, former NFL linebacker has been saying, like, no, he shouldn't play ever again. You know, like I do think there are players like Will that would say that this past off season, if asked about it, you know, on the street, at a bar, um, at home. I don't think that they're going to take it out on Deshaun Watson's knee in week 13. Maybe Houston will. That's another good question. I still think it's, I mean, when Will doesn't play anymore, I'm just of current players, I think it's probably a pretty small percentage that care enough to think, man, this guy should be banned from the NFL for life. And I'm yeah. really mad that he's not. Yeah, maybe not. I just think players mostly think about themselves and they're yes. thinking, I just want the most amount of money possible. I want guys to play. I want to play. I don't want to be suspended for something off the field for too long. So if this guy's only getting the 11 games or however many weeks it is or whatever and all the stuff that he's been accused of doing, then that's probably a good sign for me in case I get in trouble for something at some point that I'm not going to lose my entire career. People are just selfish. I mean, I think you're just looking at it from your own standpoint sure. of, you know, what, how would you want to be treated in that? And if you're a current NFL player, not like Will Compton, current player, well, I just don't think they care. You know who cares is Calvin Ridley. Yes. Who's not allowed to play at all this season. Suspended players who have been suspended longer for something less certainly care. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Patrick Mahomes is my current MVP in this week's NFL Awards Watch. Looking back at week 10, uh, weekly column at outkick.com. Chad, I've got Mahomes there. He he remains the best player in the league uh, going into week 11. But, you know, I think in many seasons going into around Thanksgiving, the MVP race is wide open. Uh, point being, if you compare Tua Tagovailoa's numbers through the seven games that he's played to what we saw from Aaron Rodgers in 2021, in his second of what was back-to-back MVPs, the numbers are extremely similar. And then Rodgers separated himself from the pack last year, uh, finishing second to Brady, or finishing first, Brady finishing second. I I think the race is wide open. Jalen Hurts, despite the loss, he's right in the mix of it. Uh, I I mentioned the, the outkick soothsayer, Armando Salguero, told us, to be wary of the upcoming schedule for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm still on board there. I've got Josh Allen falling down a couple notches, though, over the last couple of performances, where he has six interceptions and a fumble in his last three games, four picks in the red zone. And while he deserves a ton of credit because they they fumble, the Vikings score at the goal line, he drives them down, get the field goal to go to overtime, I'm still looking at Allen as the best player in the league who's not playing like the best player in the league over the last three games and looking at their their slump. Also, I note in here, I'm also not worried about the Buffalo Bills. I'm not worried about Josh Allen. I'm not going to hit the panic button, but I'm not putting him as the most valuable player. In fact, I have him behind Mahomes, Tua, Jalen Hurts, 
and then Allen right now. And I think Allen can quickly resurface and jolt to the top. Hutton, I would have really questioned your thought process if you didn't drop him to some extent. I kept him uh, mentioned, gotta, but he's not in my top three. He's gonna, he can be in the group, but I mean, come on. He's got to fall yeah. at this point. That's a team now that's uh, very mediocre in terms of good teams in the league with their record at 6-3. and three. And we spent all offseason and the start of this season thinking the Bills are elite and they may be a good bit ahead of everyone else in the NFL and record-wise. And after that loss with the two crucial interceptions by Allen... That's simply not the case. So I applaud you for dropping him that far in the MVP I, race. I would still bet him. You know, the odds have to be. Now's the much time better. to bet him yeah. now that it's gone down. Yeah, no doubt. The best, the, to me, the, the most. Stock is lower right the now. The most compelling battle is Offensive Player of the Year right now. Tyreek Hill is running away with it, right? Like through nine weeks, eight weeks. And the only player he's not running away from is Justin Jefferson. Because Justin Jefferson now is on pace for a 2,000-yard season, just like Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is only leading in total yardage now by 88 receiving yards. Jefferson with the 4th and 18 catch. Jefferson with the 10 catches uh, in the game for 193 yards. He has the touchdown, the 4th and 18, two minutes. Amazing. One of the best catches we've ever seen. And then like seven of the 10 catches, Pro Football Focus had this as tightly contested. The highest rating for tightly contested catches on double-digit catches. Meaning he was not just sprinting wide open because of a game plan. The dude's coming down with it. Um, Remarkable. And now everyone's jumping on the Vikings bandwagon because of what they did to Buffalo. Everyone's also on Miami's bandwagon. And the two receivers show up every week. I can't wait to see this back and forth. And the guy it's really going to help if Hill continues this pace, which is remarkable. He had a down game. He had like five catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. And he's used to having, you know, eight, nine, ten catches for 150 yards a game. I also put Geno Smith in here again. Um, he's having the best season of his 10-year career. Had a good statistical day even in the loss in well, Munich. So I, I'm mentioning him for this reason, Chad, for Offensive Player of the Year. Because I think it is a cop-out right now. And I think we know he's going to become comeback player of the year. It's really difficult for me to go ahead and just say, you know, Gino's comeback player of the year now, because it's a participation trophy. It's he's the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, who we all picked to have like a top three NFL draft selection next year. And they are going into week 11 atop the NFC West ahead of the Rams, ahead of the Cardinals, ahead of the 49ers. It's the Seattle Seahawks sitting up top, and it's because of Geno Smith's play. And it's because of, I think, how we view his career that we're judging this season and why people are saying, oh, he's comeback player of the year. To me, that's downgrading his overall performance if we're not at least mentioning him for offensive player of the year. I don't think he's MVP. He's not Mahomes. He's not Tua. He's not uh, Josh Allen. But he's offensive player of the year at worst right now. I'm not even considering comeback player of the year. And you can, there's no criteria for that. But that's just an easy scapegoat for you know another award. And I just don't, I don't feel like he's getting his just due if we're already just tabbing him as that. How close is Tyreek Hill 
to entering your MVP discussion? Uh, wide receivers never won. Their Armando award. Salguero said he would vote for Tyreek Hill right now ahead of Tua. But Armando, uh, he's not winning the award. I mean, a wide receivers never won it, ever. This is like voting for the libertarian candidate for president. Well, it's like it's like saying I, like I <laughs> it's not going to happen, so don't waste your vote. I believe Micah Parsons, if he's not the the best player in the league, he's second best right now to Mahomes. I'm not mentioning. I'm not going to waste time trying to make the argument when I know. He's really not like a quarterback can win offensive player of the year and not be the MVP. Right? Another quarterback can win that award. The MVP can also be offensive player of the year. You're not going to see I don't think you're going to see Tyreek Hill who is phenomenal. Trump over anyone named Mahomes, Allen, Tua, uh, even though Tua is delivering the football or or uh Jalen Hurts. I just don't I don't think anyone's going to view yeah, it that I'm way. Just, I'm asking if he's even in consideration to make Chad, the end of your list. He is the reason Miami is where they are. He is. He sets up everything for the McDaniel system, for the Shanahan system, uh, a version of that. Motions, um, route combinations, how they're going to uh, set up certain things for later in the game. His speed alone helps out that offense drive. I mean, look at Tua and how we knocked him for completion percentage and the dink and dunk. And now look at his numbers where Tua Tungavailoa is slinging it all over the field um, because of how Tyreek Hill has impacted this. Tua leads the league in passer rating. That's, it's because of Tyreek Hill. And, and Hill was putting up numbers even when Tua was out. But the Dolphins weren't winning games when Tua was out. That's, I I I see your logic with it. I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm just curious what it would take for him to get in the mix, but it's not going to be a receiver. And it's still Sauce Gardner for defensive rookie. I think uh, Kenneth Walker the third uh, was held in check by the Bucks this past week, but I still think he would get that vote. He was active in the pass game, for instance, 55 yards receiving. Um, Olave from New Orleans, man. If he had Sean Payton as his head coach, Olave would be. He would be talked about. And if they had um, Michael Thomas. For different categories. I mean, think about the loss in the receiving core with, with that. Is it two two years, three years he hasn't played? Well, he played some this year, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I basically. mean, for the majority of two years. Yeah, basically. He's been gone. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick 360 coming up from the conversation of best to the best we've seen, future Hall of Famers with... Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who a year ago at this time were discussing them in this exact column. Now we're not, but all of a sudden, here they are back in the playoff discussion. After, not dead yet. You know, people have buried them, including me, uh, especially with Green Bay. We'll take a look at the numbers, the setup, and the stretch for the season over the course of the end of November and December for the two veterans that are trying to sneak their way, way into to the playoffs and in Tampa's case, just hang on to the division lead. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up, 
Ticketmaster crashed, and it wasn't because of a big sporting event. We've got Swifties. We're going to talk Swifties. Oh, it, Davey's a big Swifty. Who's not? I guess someone who's thinking, who's a Swifty right now, if you heard us? Well, if you don't, if you don't know, you don't know. We're about to find out. We're going to teach you. We're going to educate everyone coming up in about 15 minutes. Bruce Arians says that Tom Brady is to blame for the Bucks' slow start. Not because he took 11 days off, but because he was playing bad. Said that to uh, reporters uh, recently. And I think Brady would admit that his play was bad. I mean, the team off- offensively was bad. But it's, I mean, when you look at where they are right now, Chad, uh, atop the division, a bad one at that. And now what Aaron Rodgers has done, we are talking about bad passing offense. Up until last week, the bad passing offense in Green Bay came to life only on 14 completions. But on those 14 completions against Dallas, Rodgers completed those passes for like 235 yards and three touchdowns. Three of his 14 completions went for scores. And now all of a sudden, here's Green Bay with life coming down, for, down back from, from 14 to Dallas to win the game in overtime, hosting Tennessee tomorrow night on Thursday night football, and they can begin to look ahead at, okay, maybe we can string together some wins, and they're thinking about six or seven seed in the NFC. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay's thinking about claiming the, the four seed as the division champ in the NFC South. Where do you put Rodgers and, and Brady right now compared to where we would have put them a week ago? Neither are very good uh, right now. Brady's chance for his team to make the playoffs is better because they have a better record. They're in a worse division. But um, I don't think either player's been that good this year. I also want to go back to Bruce Brady's Arians. stats are insane. I want to go back to Bruce Arians. Yeah, touchdowns are down, though, and they're not scoring yes. enough. But, I mean, yeah, he's generating a lot of yards because – they don't have a running game, so he's having to throw a ton. And they didn't have to this past week. Yeah, and they, and they got a win. They won. I think that's the formula. It's funny how that works, when you can be a little more balanced and run the ball, that I wins mean, may fall. He's 200 yards passing away from 3,000 passing yards already this season. Brady. So why is Bruce Arians making comments like that? I'm fine that that's his opinion and that he's being honest. And you know me, I'm a fan of all content, yeah. and he's providing content. But this goes back interesting, to something it? we've talked a lot about. When you step aside, typically – you go into the shadows if you remain with the team. You're not so out front or making comments like that if you're Bruce Arians. I just think that's a very weird dynamic with the guy who won a Super Bowl with the team, stepping aside but not really, and he's the one dropping bombs like Tom Brady's the reason that the team struggled early on. Well, I just it's a it's an odd distraction. And he told this to Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com, uh, Arians defended Byron Leftwich. I, I think the question was more about Byron Leftwich than it was Brady. And in deflecting on Leftwich, Arians made it about Brady. And the quote is, I don't think it was fair to Byron. Nobody is going to say that Brady was playing bad, but he was playing bad. We also had growing pains on a young offensive front and we weren't running well. There comes a time as a play caller where you're losing yards running the ball and you say, forget this. I'm putting the ball in Tom's hands. I mean, so did Arians a year ago, by the way. Look at Brady's numbers in that and how many times he would throw it for 40 times a game. Um, offensive line was better, however. And so knowing that Arians has openly criticized Brady, 
even, you know, as he was the head coach. And now it's not like this isn't the first time we've heard from him criticize Tom Brady, but it also led to the perception that there was a riff and there was a split and it was Brady or Arians. But you're right about Arians is very visible. It's not a secret that he's around. Um, I've, I've tied it in locally here in Nashville where they had the joint practice. Brady wasn't here for that. But Arians is standing behind. He's not exactly behind the huddle, um, but he's 15 yards behind the huddle. And if he's not doing that, he's just riding a golf cart around observing. And he's, he's out there. And in defense of play caller Byron Leftwich, he made it about Tom Brady. I also don't think it's a coincidence that he says this a week after Tom Brady says that the biggest issue, the most glaring issue with the team is overall effort in games. I think that kind of ties into each other. And now they've won two straight. It's, a, it's also a weird time to do that because they're, they're winning now, right? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> two straight wins. They come back from Germany. You've got the bye week. So He says this on the week off. Hutton, I, I what wanna, do you think happens here? I want to make this simple, though. Okay, with both of these guys, okay? Because, and I don't want to be that analyst that tries to read body language and say, "Boy, it's clear that you know I saw Tom Brady after that incompletion, and he just wants to retire." That guy's really mad that he didn't retire in the off season, and I can see that he just wants to be anywhere else but playing football. I, I can't say that, right? Well, I'm not going to get in their heads. But I can view what they've said and how they react to things. These are two guys uh, who are actually enjoying football again the last couple weeks. Aaron Rodgers this week alone did not enjoy that loss to Detroit. But if you saw his reaction to the Alan Lazard play where he is skipping like a schoolboy down the field and getting excited, that's the type of energy you need from Aaron Rodgers. We haven't seen that this season. These guys are also, their joy is tied to winning. Yes. Both of them. It's a great point. They don't care about the stat line. How many passes did Aaron Rodgers attempt? 20, 21? 20, and he completed 14. The, the, yeah, but that for him, that's a low in, in attempts, right? He had Brady, six attempts at half. Yeah, I mean, you talked about Brady's stats are great. They are yardage-wise. Not a lot of touchdowns, not a ton of wins up until the last couple of weeks. His joy is robbed if they're not winning. He can have all the stats in the world. He's not going to be happy with that right. unless they're winning. And then look at his reaction after that come-from-behind win, jaws of death, snatching victory out of it win over the Rams, where he comes in and says, that was bleeping awesome. And then ties it a week later in Germany where he says, that's the best football experience I've ever had. One of the best. Yeah, he was, uh, I saw Playing there in Munich. Interview with Peter King. He's gushing about the experience with the German fans. But you know why he's gushing over it? They won. That's a big part of it. With, with Tom. It's the biggest part of it with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So... When I see that, and I'm not a look at them in the tunnel getting ready to run out, this team's going to play great because they're excited and ready to go type guy. Right. But with those guys, it does matter that they're enjoying it and they enjoy winning. And I think that brief glimpse of winning, Brady got it two weeks ago, got it again this week, that's going to propel the Bucks to the playoffs. I can't say the same about the Packers. I thought they'd have a chance against the Cowboys, did not think they were going to win it. Certainly didn't think they were win when, would win when they were down 28-14. to 14. But coming back and winning that game and winning it the way they did on an RPO play for a big 30-plus yard gain to Lazard, Aaron Rodgers getting that excited about it, and then post-game interview saying, we're not dead yet, can't bury us yet. I think that's important for both these guys, especially 
at this late stage of their career. If they're not enjoying it and mm-hmm. they're not somewhat hopeful about the possibility of a playoff run, about the possibility of winning games, it's going to suck all the joy or any in, in, entertainment value out of it, especially at their age. And also, look at Brady. So, Arians is not wrong, by the way. Brady, he's not wrong. By, by the way, he's, uh, Arians mentioned in the interview, um, he saw Brady smile at practice last week for the first time all year. Um, they're getting healthier. They have had a lack of production in the past game. Offensive line has been really bad. No run game. And they only had to throw it 30 times this past week against Seattle compared to throwing it 45 to 55 times a game where Brady's winning at a much, much higher clip than the average quarterback in the league that has to throw 50 times in a game. Chances are you're losing if your quarterback's doing that. Brady's the opposite. But it's still, in, it's as many times as he's thrown, and he's thrown for 2,800 yards right now. He only has two picks on the season. That's remarkable to me, considering the bad offensive line and the lack of a pass or run game to this point in overall production. Um, I'm with you with Green Bay, though. They run more RPO. uh, 25% of their offense is RPO. That's the highest in the league. And Christian Watson is a player to watch now. He is now the rookie that is springing to life. He dropped a couple passes early in the game against Dallas. And if you rewind to the start of the year where he dropped that touchdown pass, Rodgers, I think, subconsciously, maybe, I don't know, hasn't gone back to him in big moments when he's been healthy. And he went back to him in this game out of necessity because the run game for Green Bay, where they ran 18 times for nearly 100 yards in the first half, kept the score. It was tied at halftime, 14-14 against Dallas. Well, the Cowboys separated the score. Up by 14, Green Bay had to throw it. When they threw it, big plays. Christian Watson, big play. And if he can spring to life along with Lazard, who's back healthy now, I know he's always on the injury report, but who's back healthy. If Tunyon, Robert Tunyon, can get back on track injury-wise, this is a, an offense that can run the football much better than Tampa consistently well uh, with their, their two-headed backfield. And I think Rodgers can go on a run here. But the, the thing about it, though, Chad, it comes down to Tampa's division and knowing, as far as Green Bay is concerned, what's ahead of them. So they've got Tennessee. To, the matchup against the Titans is one that Lafleur has, and Rodgers, they've dominated in recent years in the regular season. But also know like it's kind of the same game plan tomorrow night on a short week. Right, the Titans are going to run the football. Yep. Green Bay, they don't stack the box as much. They, they, t- they don't blitz all that often within this defensive scheme. So that's going to set up for more of Derrick Henry than it is Ryan Tannehill. But Tannehill gives them the option of throwing it the same way that Rodgers can do. They've got the the Titans this week. Then they're on the road at Philly. Talking about Green Bay, and then they're on the road against Chicago. They've got to go, what, two and one in this stretch? And you could say, like, if they take care of business tomorrow night against the Titans, a division leader, then they, they go into Philly, who we know what the game plan is there, run the football, even if you're not going to have success, stay on the field, just get first downs. That's what Washington did. And then they just asked Taylor Heineke to step up and make some throws. Rodgers did that this past week. 
we're not comparing quarterbacks. There is no comparison. Point being, the game plan for Green Bay, I think, sets up for them against what looks to be a, a tough schedule coming up. Titans, um, Eagles, the, the Bears are playing much better. But again, the Packers own them. Rodgers owns them. They do have the Dolphins, and they do have the Vikings coming up as well to close the season. I also believe that it's not going to be this formula the whole time. I think it's the majority of the time with what we saw against Dallas for success. But I still really think that maybe it's because of Christian Watson's emergence. Maybe it's for other factors. Aaron Rodgers is going to elevate his game at some point this season. When they need it most, he's going to have a gigantic game. Maybe it's over the course of two or three games. Yeah. But and maybe that's what gets them into the playoffs. I still don't see it. I see it with Tampa. I don't see it with them right now. But he's going to play better at some point. And statistically, it's going to look better for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think both quarterbacks are playing somewhere else next year? You know, I've made this bet in the past and lost. I think Aaron Rodgers definitely. There's a... Man, I think Tom Brady is the, is the more likely candidate to retire. But now that he's freed up, I, I don't know. Maybe he gives it a run somewhere else also. Uh, I, that's, that's a difficult question. Right now, Hutton, if I'm if I'm laying money down, if you're saying put something big down on what's going to happen, I'd say both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are elsewhere playing football next year. I don't know where I would pinpoint Rodgers to be. Just keep in mind that San Francisco is going to have another quarterback next year because Jimmy Garoppolo has a no trade and no tag clause. And Brady, his idol was Joe Montana. And his favorite team growing up was the San Francisco 49ers. Well, let me also... And he's not tied down to Florida. Let me also throw this in there. You know where Aaron Rodgers is from? I know. You got two... Both of those guys are from Northern California and I believe grew up 49ers well, fans. And he's, and Rodgers is already playing in the offense with LaFleur that is tied into Shanahan's offense. I think offense. Aaron Rodgers is way more likely to be the 49ers next quarterback than Tom Brady. Well, Brady could... Brady's a free agent, though. There's a difference there. Yeah. Rodgers would have to be moved. But, I mean, there's also a clause. Andrew Brandt had this earlier this season, and uh, we need to get him back on because now would be a great time to kind of set everything up as both quarterbacks start to make their playoff move. But Brandt pointed out in his weekly Sunday column, he's like, hey, this is a, a big, a, the big contract for Rodgers. He got what he wanted. But keep in mind, the Packers will actually save money in year two by just letting him go than keeping him around on the cap. Like the cap hits bigger next year to have him stay. So there is a way to get out of the deal where it's just a one-year $50 million contract. How enticing would uh, Trey Lance be to Green Bay in a trade for That's Rogers? a great question. It's virtual. Again, it's the same type of... I mean, you're going for of, a guy who's the third overall pick that point. we don't really know because he can't stay healthy. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I you know, is he a better option than Jordan Love? I'd say Absolutely. Yes. If you're going and to try to build around guess, someone, yeah. you give it a shot. I mean, he's well, going to be a part of it, I would think. And again, the coaching, the offensive philosophy is very similar. Rookie contract. Right. Yeah. And give it a year. shot. I mean, you're going to be starting over at quarterback regardless. So yeah. you and got have, to throw Trey Lance in on well, that, you bring, that deal. You bring him in, you still have love, and you have them battle it out. Yeah. You know, you could have a true battle there. Hit us up with your, uh, oh, Davey points out, he's 2-0 and post-divorce, Tom Brady. Well, we all know the problem now. <laughs> uh, I, I would say Giselle is also 2-0. She's at least 1-0. Who's she dating? She's dating uh, 
her uh, she's Brazilian. Okay, she's dating her Brazilian jujitsu. Oh, Davey says she says it's not true, so they're not dating. Okay, I guess that's not the part dating. that's a lie. They're not dating. I'm doing air quotes yeah. for those that can't see the show. Um, yeah, th- th- this guy's been training her in Brazilian jiu-jitsu since it just all sounds so funny since February, and uh, that they've been linked together through some gossip sites. But according to Davey, she says it's not true. So I always tend to take Giselle at her word. So I will believe Giselle. Uh, Clay sends us uh, a detailed description of his flight to Florida with Tommy Lauren and a debate about whether or not he should have been more of a gentleman. We'll bring that up. Plus, Swifties, Chad. The Swifties. Taylor Swift breaks... Ticketmaster. Final hour and 15 minutes of the show. I'm just now reading Clay's yeah. scenario. There's a scenario here, yes. and we're going to get into that scenario at some point. Chances are Clay's in the wrong. That's next, and I'll kick 360. There's no doubt about it. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Taylor Swift is not just selling tickets to concerts. She's selling out stadiums, and she's doing it three nights in a row at the same stadiums across the country. Such high demand that she added a third here in Nashville. There's a wait list for that one. You've got Houston, where Ticketmaster is breaking as tickets go on sale. Uh, there in Houston at, at NRG Stadium because I've, I've again, got the tour it, here. Hunt, if you'd like to know how many back stadiums back back she's nights. playing, I know she's doing it in Atlanta in with Vegas. Three, ni- three nights in a row. Vegas. She's doing two nights. The, the, the tour starts on March 17th in Glendale, Arizona. Back to back nights in the football stadium there in Glendale. Back to back nights in Vegas, March 24th and 25th. Three straight nights at AT&T Stadium, Jerry's World. Yep. In Dallas. Uh, it is insane to see. By the way, I can't even keep up. This this site keeps going down. This is the Taylor Swift website I'm on. And it's, I think, so overrun right now that it's it's acting slow. It's crazy. Taylor Swift is on fire right now. I've listened over the weekend to the Midnight's album. Okay. Um, how one, is it? One word for you, introspective, is how I describe this album. Of course it is. It is very much of a, a, a whole vibe. It is one mood throughout. It is a concept album, is how I describe it. Every song has the same tone to it. It feels like very moody, uh, is how I describe. It. This is me trying to like act like I write for Rolling Stone. Um, you know, the very moody concept <laughs> album. But uh, it's definitely a hard look in the mirror for Taylor Swift. How many? It is not necessarily one that makes her look good with the way she sings about herself in many of these songs. I enjoyed the album. But Hutton, you you raised a great question earlier this week about Taylor Swift. Well, how many, um, you know, last week Nissan Stadium was announced that she's playing three nights in a row here next May. How many artists, period, in the history of music can sell out 
a 70,000-seat stadium three nights in a row when you consider that the next stadium is three hours up the road from Atlanta to Nashville, where she's doing both. Or you go to Cincinnati, and she's doing that too. Like If you start stringing together all the stadiums, there are artists that could do this, um, but I don't know if they could do it like this, where it's within driving distance in different areas and pockets across the country. Um, I mean, there there are, what, maybe well, how 10, many, 15 know, in the history of it that yeah, could do like this? Yeah, like currently, I would say Garth Brooks. I don't know if Garth could do it currently. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yes. Maybe but, but could, could do Bruce it. do it anywhere All in America? America? I, may, I don't know because he plays arenas for the most part, so it's hard to tell. Right, I mean, Garth Brooks, stadium Garth Brooks did, what, nine or ten in a row after the flood in Nashville? But that was an arena right. for eight or nine straight nights and, and packed yeah. it out. I mean, all-time Beatles, yes. Rolling Stones, Elvis, Michael Jackson. Prince. In his prime, uh, Prince. You start going through. I mean, there are, there are, there are a number, a, it's a, a small handful of number. others. I mean, it's, it's probably 15 to 20 acts all-time. But there, I, I really believe she's the only one right now that could do it what she's doing I think you're right you it's can, crazy to say you sell but just a stadium one, one night and then go three hours up the road and do it again you can't do that three nights in a row and the resale value is really difficult too because she's putting these on for Christmas right before Christmas and these are family gifts she's breaking headlines next she has more money than us